0: But I'm glad you're here. My name is Darren Tyler. I'm the pastor. And if you're a visitor, um, we'd love to have a record of your visit. Uh, normally, we'd be able to give you uh, the gift that we've been giving our bracelets that are being made by uh, the kids in Togo, Africa, that we've been ministering to. Uh, but they'll, they'll be here the next week of April. So if you want to take a rain check on that, uh, what we're doing is for every, uh, every time uh, if you visit Then if we get a record of your visit with that card and you take a bracelet, for every bracelet we give away, we're donating $10 to these kids. And it actually puts them through school, its room, board, and uh, their education for a week in Togo, Africa. So you give us one day here and we'll give you them a week of school there, so one day here is a week there. And actually, that's what David, who we just uh, introduced, and David will be here next week, by the way, where we'll talk more about what they're doing in Togo. But if you're a visitor, we'd love to have a record of that. And Alan, who is, he wasn't here last week, but we got voted Mr. April in the Conduit swimsuit calendar. Yeah, the men of Conduit. So yeah, sorry, I didn't give you a heads up, but uh, (laughs) Swinford was Mr. January, that's why he's not here today. Uh, But if you're a visitor and you would raise your hand, Alan would give you a card, and then uh, at the end, when we take up uh, an offering, you can just put that in the bucket and pretend like you're giving money, and no one will know any different. So it'll be fine. Um, oh, no, it was Mr. June. I'm sorry. Yeah. Everybody say hello to Mr. June. <laughs> David, by the way, uh, we issued a, a $10,000 challenge to his ministry to say if, if you can raise 10, we'll give you 10. And he said to me this morning, he's probably going to raise more than 10 from it. So yeah, we're, so in addition to that, uh, and where he's going, I mean, we're talking, this is like National Geographic Africa. Again, we'll talk about it next week, but it's like, you know, huts and uh, yeah. So it's in the middle of nowhere and we're, uh, the first building we'll be building will be uh, the pastor's house slash feeding center. And then the whole, the goal would be to have a house on either side that then will house the orphans, because the difference, I've explained this in Haiti, is that uh, many of the orphans there are, they have a parent, but they just can't afford to take care of them. So they have to make this awful decision. And so what we've done is we're taking care of the kids that have a mom already, or single mom in most cases, and feeding them. But in Africa, the difference is, is that for the most part, as Mark was sharing, that millions of or- orphans, like true orphans, AIDS orphans, for the most part, who have nothing. And so that's, we're going to Togo, Africa, a very unpopulated, uh, and in, in, I was talking to David this week. We've talked a little bit about what Islam is doing in the world right now, and he said that between Lome and the village where he goes, which is on the uh, border of Burkina, uh, wait a minute, say it, that one, Burkina Faso, um, he said it's just mosque after mosque after mosque between there. We've got to do better, and so we're setting up an outpost for the kingdom. I told David that's the where we got to think as an outpost, <laughs> um, and so the houses will be there, and it will be nothing fancy. There, uh, there won't be any. Uh, toilets because there's nothing even to hook them up to. So we're literally houses and uh, we'll have either side, there'll be a boys dorm and a girls dorm for these kids and raising up uh, young men and women uh, strong in Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you change a nation from the inside out, not from the outside. in. so we'll talk about that next week. Um, But that said, uh, the only announcement I have is if you're new here and you say, man, Darren, I would like to learn some of your beauty tips. We're not, but on March twentieth, uh, at, at our home, uh, we're doing a, just a discover conduit. Uh, get to know Shannon and I. Uh, Jeremy and Amber will be there as well. Uh, and actually, actually, you'll probably get some beauty tips from the girls. But for, you know, for me, uh, basically, my my only beauty tip is this: if, if wherever I am at, thirty seconds into my hair, I'm done. So I mean, wherever it's at, I'm just it's over. So that's the tip: is just don't get yourself bogged down in the details just go with it, and then whatever it is, that's the spirit. So, uh, but on March 20th, you can get to know a lot about uh, Conduit by coming to our home and uh, sharing a little bit about it, telling you about our small groups. Uh, we're about to have our, our year anniversary as a church. Can you believe that? Like a year? So, you know, we're still in diapers. We're still a little messy, you know, but, but we're getting there. We're figuring stuff out, right? So uh, we're just really blessed by what God has done and and what he's continuing to do, and, and uh, so yeah, March 20th, it's next Sunday. If you want to be a part of that, uh, would you email Shannon at ConduitChurch.com? It's Shannon at ConduitChurch.com, and uh, she can give you information. I believe it's gluten-free food night, right? No. No. Oh, and baby dedication on March 20th as well. So if you've made a baby, which a lot of you have, been very busy, um, taking church growth very seriously, uh, <laughs> we're going to do the first of our baby dedications on March 20th. I know many of you can't get your parents here in time, and that we're going to do more of them. But with as many babies as we've got, we could take a whole service if we're not careful. So we're going to do uh, we're going to do <laughs> another one uh, on Easter Sunday. Uh, for our uh, rock and roll musicians who are on tour and really the only time they're going to be here is on Easter. Uh, and, then, uh, and then again, probably June. So, okay, rock and roll. We've made it. Okay, uh, turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, if you would. Um, I don't know if you have been watching the news lately uh, or noticed that maybe you could begin to cross-reference it with uh, the Bible. But, man, there are some crazy things going on in the world right now. The kind of stuff that you thought could only happen in a Will Smith movie. Um, or those things when you see like the, the computer animated images, you think there's no possible way. That's realistic. That is so fake. Like I saw it on the news when you saw, I saw a, uh, I, I saw that tsunami that was rushing through the northern coast or the east northern, northeastern coast. And it was a wall of mud with a house on top of it on fire and a ship next to it rushing through thinking, that's, that, is, that's, that doesn't even look realistic. Like it was amazing to me. There are things that are happening that are a little, quite honestly, unnerving. And you watch the news and you get a sense of it because it's like they don't even know where to start. It's like now we go to Libya now we're in Egypt and well, now we're back to Japan and, oh, yeah, then North Korea, that guy, he's crazy. And then, oh, wait, this Iran guy won't shut up either. And it's like literally they don't even know what to do with it because there's a lot of stuff going on right now that we, and it's. I don't believe there's some conspiracy to keep us from knowing. They just run out of time. There's just that much going on. And Jesus' disciples came to him. He had just said, look, I'm, I'm coming back, and this is going to happen. And these guys were, said, well, tell us when we'll know. And there's a reason they were asking that, because they kept messing it up. They thought like any minute now, okay, now is now the time? to Get your sword out. Let's go. And, you know, even in the garden when Peter, you know, drew his sword, he literally, now it's it. Let's do it. Let's open up a can, you know, and, ah, and cuts his ear off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 look, I apologize. We put that back on. And no, that's... He, <laughs> He gets, he gets carried away like that sometimes, and it's not yet. And they're like, okay, look, I'm tar- I was, before I cut someone else's ear off, right, then I need to figure out what are the signs of the t- How do I know is what they're saying. And his answer was in verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, when all this will happen, and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and of rumors of wars and see to it, but see to it, that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Would you, would you pray with me? God, is. As, as we encounter your word, we must always come to you first. This is a supernatural book that requires a supernatural approach, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us and to speak to us and to be a lamp to our feet here today. In Jesus' name, amen. It was, uh, obviously we've had a lot of uh, babies being born here lately, and our first baby was born in 1990. Seven, six. Can we edit that. <laughs> nineteen ninety-six. <1996. laughs> hey, we need a producer here to drop it in. Kipley, where are you? We can know. <laughs> There's Rob. You can do it. just drop me in. in On nineteen ninety-six, my uh, our first baby was born, and we were um, like most new parents, a little uh, scared. Like we didn't know what to happen. It's like, did we, you know? She, she was getting bigger and bigger. And big enough where I thought at some point, if she, if she bumps into the coffee table, she's going to pop. Like anything sharp could cause her to go off at any moment. And in fact, she was so big that, well, I've got a picture here of her. No. She was pretty big. Again, I didn't, I didn't want to show one of your pictures, so I just had an actress play for you. I'm sorry, this is disturbing. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Gates, you gotta change it. <laughs> yeah, you can't unsee that, right? I'm sorry. But, but she was so pregnant. <laughs> but then these things started happening where, like, is it now? You know, the, what they call the Braxton Hicks contractions, right? Because, like, ah, is it now? And, and I remember we made a drive. I uh, maybe some of you young uh, couples did that as well. Or some of you couples that were like us a long time ago, you're like, we get down there and like, have we initiated the launch code? Is it happening? Is it? And no, no, go home. It's you'll, you'll know. And, and, and so that's what we did. And, and here's the thing. Eventually, and I think that's what Jesus was saying. In fact, he, in, the, in the parallel passage in Luke, when he was saying, don't be uh, uh, t- confused when someone comes and says in my name, because you're going to know. Like, either, no guessing. In fact, in Luke 21, he says, he's going to come like lightning in the sky. So these guys that are running around and building the compounds and saying, I'm Jesus and taking all of our wives, you'll know that's not them because there's no lightning, right? I mean, there's no, you don't have to guess if it's him. He said, you don't have to wonder. There's going to be many that would come, and we've seen many in our lifetimes, but you don't have to wonder. And he said that then you're going to know that there are going to be by the signs that we have, not her. <laughs> when you drive from, have you, have you made the drive from Memphis to Nashville, right? Um, we drive there from Oklahoma often. And the bummer about Memphis is you're not almost home. Like you think you should be, but you're not. And, and you get right outside of Memphis and there's a little sign and it says Nashville, 199 miles-ish. And it's a little sign. And you get further down the road, and then there's another, maybe a little bit bigger sign, and it's like 178 miles. And then the closer you get to town, the closer the signs are together, and the bigger they get. Until you finally hit the 440, and it's just this monster sign that says Nashville, with arrows this way. You can't miss it. The closer we get, the more signs there will be, and the bigger they're going to be. You see, the last days started in Acts chapter 1 when, when he said that uh, Peter stood up and said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days. And you think, man, God can't really count because 2,000 years, that's a lot of days. But Peter said that in, with the Lord, a day is like 1,000 years and 1,000 years is like a day. We're two days in on God's calendar. He doesn't have an iPhone. He doesn't need the alarm to go off. He's on his time. He doesn't even need time, right? So in his time, a day is like a thousand years. We're two days in. That's when the last days started. That's when the signs would begin. But the closer we get, the bigger the signs are, and the closer they are together. We're getting awfully close. One of the signs, the big signs, if you will, that we see a lot of is that he told us that we would have Wars, in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21. I don't know if you know this or not, but World War II, the, uh, the, the last war to end all wars, since that day that that war ended in 1948, I believe, there have been 350 recognized arm, armed conflicts of war since that day. In fact, the War Atlas, which, believe it or not, I have a copy of, um, says that there hasn't been a single day between then and now without war on our globe. And you look around and you think, well, that's awesome. It's true because, you know, in, in, in Libya, it's, it's happening right now. There's armed conflict going on in Africa, in Congo, in, in Sudan. For years now, armed war where thousands of people are being exterminated through genocide A nation that is being split apart through war. Somalia. I mean, I literally could go on. The list is is longer. And obviously, we got the big ticket ones like Afghanistan and Iraq, the ones that we know about because they're the ones that we're spending our money on. But they're happening all around us right now. There are wars. Jesus said that there would be wars. And he also said that there would be rumors of wars. And now, like none other time in history, are we experiencing rumors of war. We hear it in Egypt. The news right now, is there gonna be armed conflict there? Are they gonna rise up? Is the Muslim Brotherhood gonna take over? I mean, as much as we'd like to think that that situation has been solved in the last weeks, there have been riots and protests almost every day. Christians in the minority there are being attacked by the Muslim majority. Their houses being burned. Their children, their, uh, their women being raped and murdered right now happening? Is it going to be war? It's Tunisia. Will there be war in Iran, in India? I mean, in India right now, they're up against Pakistan on the nation. And I know that we're concerned because we think of what's happening on the other side of Pakistan with the Taliban. But for the last few decades, Pakistan and India, have they're not friends. They've got tens of, probably hundreds of thousands of troops amassed along each of their borders. They've got their nukes. Both of them are nuclear armed countries aimed at each other, just waiting for the other one to pull the trigger. That's in India and Pakistan, rumors of war. In North Korea, Kim Jong-il, that sawed-off little dictator, <laughs> whack job, has obviously been working with, towards nuclear weapons. But in the middle of all of that, He's been testing these weapons that are known as electromagnetic pulse weapons. About a month ago, even the last few weeks, in South Korea and along the coast, there have been interruptions in cell phone service and GPS technology. And the question is, is North Korea testing these weapons right now? The idea is that they can, through these electromagnetic pulse weapons, disrupt communication services. Rumors are that if they were to explode a nuclear weapon above our airspace, literally launch one from a, a ship above our airspace and, sh- and, and uh, explode it over our atmosphere, it would shut down every piece of electrical equipment in, in the country. It would shut down our banking. You couldn't buy gas. You couldn't operate your vehicles. You couldn't operate your iPhones. Is it true? It's a rumor it's a rumor of war. Jesus said that there would be rumors of war. Iran was recently hit by the Stuxnet virus that shut down their nuclear capabilities for a period of time. Rumors of, was it the United States? Rumors of, was it Israel? Rumors of war that Jesus said that we would happen, that we would know that we're on the right road because we're seeing these signs. I haven't made a a, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but um, when I was a a tour manager guy, there was a moment where I remember getting on the interstate. It was very, 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 very late, and all the band guys were sleeping in the back. And I'm literally on the road, and it was too long before I realized that I was on the wrong road (laughs) because I hadn't really been paying attention to the signs, and suddenly I saw the big sign that said Mobile. I was going to Jackson, Mississippi. That was not the right way. I had taken a wrong turn. Jesus said, you're going to know you're on the right path because you're going to see these signs. He said that obviously we know this. We'll see earthquakes in diverse places. There's debate as to whether we're seeing an increased frequency, by the way, in earthquakes. If you read some geophysicist guys, they say no, and some say yes. And There is no debate that in the last 15 years, over the previous 30 to 50 years, there is an increase. And I just listed the big ticket ones. I left out Chile. I left out uh, southern Sudan. I left out, I think, Iran. I left out Pakistan. I mean, earthquake after earthquake after earthquake. With literally when these are all added up, millions of people have lost their lives. And understand this whether or not there is an increase in frequency is irrelevant. Because Jesus is saying that none of these, quote, signs in and of themselves are mutually exclusive when they are happening in a confluence together, that we would know that his time was near. There would be earthquakes in diverse places. And those are the big signs, right? You know, we see those often. And in between those signs, we see the little mile markers. Mile markers that show us how far we are along between Memphis and Nashville, if you will. There's mile marker one. There's mile marker two. Mile marker 3. Mile marker 1 was Acts chapter 1 when the Holy Spirit fell and the Spirit began to move among them. He said, this is that that was written that in the last days. That was the first mile marker. We're getting closer because I believe that there are mile markers that are happening now that quite honestly couldn't have happened in the day that they were written. Just technologically, it would have been at best confusing. One of those is in the book of Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul said that um, in verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That would have been a confusing thing to hear in that day because in... The people that Paul was writing to, teachers, you didn't gather teachers to you. Teachers gathered you to them. Because they didn't have the technology where I could have a bunch of teachers at my disposal. I I had to pick one and go with it. When he was coming through town, when Jesus was a teacher, people followed him. Because a great many people would follow him. And Paul was saying, this is going to be turned on its head. And what's happening with technology as we speak... There was an article in uh, NPR, yes, I'm sorry, I listened to NPR, in NPR, I know, half the church just walked up, no, Uh, but talking about is social networking really not creating a broader spectrum, but just taking our own social clicks and making them even smaller online. Think about it. When you've got friends on Facebook, you click on what the friends are saying, And, and your friends for the most part probably think what you think. And... There's a thing called an algorithm that is set up so that you, you click on what this guy said and see more about it. And you click on this and then Facebook suddenly decides, well, these are the people that you're most interested in. So I'm only going to show you what they say. In Google right now, if I were to Google Egypt, you were to Google Egypt and 50 of us were to Google Egypt, All of our results would be just a little bit different, customized by things that we have in the past looked at, uh, thought about, searched for, and it sets up the algorithm so that we can then see what it is that is best custom suited to us. They call it a customer service. Eric Schmidt from Google, said that that's what our goal is. We want to be able to, you know, and it makes kind of sense. You know, they should be able to buy these algorithms, know what I'm interested in, and, and narrow these searches down to me. But what's happening is, instead of us getting a broader viewpoint of the world, we're getting a narrower viewpoint, and only hearing those things that we want to hear, we like to hear. We're able to gather a great many teachers around us, because I've got an iPod, because I subscribe to podcasts. And so I can then... Choose which teachers I want to hear and reject those that I don't. Now, common sense is that's great. There are a lot of guys I don't want to hear. I get that. And that's actually helpful. But the other side of that, the law of unintended consequence, is that there are doctrines that are floating around online. I actually have a lot of people on my friends list that I don't agree with, and I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know why they're thinking it, because I can have better conversation and engage them better in that way. And what I'm seeing is when I'm visiting, what they're saying is they are clearly, they've got their talking points down. They are literally abandoning, as uh, as Paul would tell Timothy, sound doctrine to say that, you know what, my God would never send anybody to hell, so there must not be a hell. And that is everywhere on the internet right now. There are specific things that the Bible very literally calls a sin, that somebody doesn't want to be a sin, and so they rewrite the scriptures, and then they tell that to each other, and they go only to the teachers that are saying what they want to hear, and abandoning sound doctrine, just as Paul said that they would do. That was unthinkable when Paul wrote this. This is a mile marker to tell us we're getting closer, because now we can do these things and I encourage you to listen to Bible teachers that are teaching I don't know the Bible not rewriting it be very cautious when you hear somebody say well that's not what it really meant what it really meant was the exact opposite this is just some cultural thing at the end of the day we have to acknowledge this either the Bible is God's inspired word or it is not I believe that it is and from that basis then I make decisions upon my lifestyles, upon the things that are right and wrong, not based upon what I feel but upon what the Word of God says by not abandoning sound doctrine. That's a mile marker for us. He tells us in Luke 21-25, Jesus would say, I named it twice, that there would be signs in the sun, and we could go all day on this and thankfully I'm not going to unless you're not behaved and then we'll see. Signs in the sun. There's an article in National Geographic this past month talking about a solar flare that was on February 14th, Valentine's Day. I thought it was just the love that I had for my wife. But apparently it was not. It was February. It was the sun erupted in a large solar flare seen in four years. It was the largest one seen in four years, big enough to interfere with radio communications and GPS signals for airplanes. On long-distance flights. This happened in in 1859 during a solar maximum about the same size as the one we're entering, according to NASA. The storm was called the Carrington Event after the British astronomer Richard Carrington, who witnessed the mega flare, was the first to realize the link between activity on the Sun and the geomagnetic disturbances on Earth. And you're like, Darren, why does that even matter? It says that the flares were so strong, the telegraph, the technology for communication during that time, people operating their telegraph machines, sparks were shooting out of it. Like, like it was, they had no idea what it was, why it would do that. That it interfered with electrical equipment. This is important to us because if this happens again, the the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, uh, which my wife being a North Dakotan has seen, were seen as far south as Cuba. It was reported that in New York City they were able to read the newspaper just by the light at nighttime, by the light of the Aurora Borealis. Signs in the heaven, signs in the sun, signs that will disrupt if done, because now it's important because GPS and satellite technology like never before, literally being able to pump gas involves a satellite technology. Uh, Transaction. You put your card in. It is a satellite transaction that makes that happen. If those are gone, we're in trouble. Airplanes on long flights. And this has already happened on the one on February 14th. Some of the flights already had a disruption in their GPS technology based upon that. It's a mile marker that would say that, yeah, we're getting really close because now we see that this is a sign in the sun. One that is also right after Jesus says that there'd be signs in the sun was he said this. He said, and on the earth, the nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. The nations can all at the same time simultaneously now see these things as they unfold, whether it was the tsunami on Christmas a few years ago or the tsunami that just happened as people watched. I watched on my television. I was in anguish and I was perplexed. How is that even possible? I can't even get my mind wrapped around the enormity of this, that we could watch this all the nations could watch this, that we could all see whether you were in Uganda, whether you're in Kansas, well, maybe not Kansas, but most other populated places, you could see this because you had access to it through television, through satellite technology, a mile marker that tells us that we're getting close to the signs. The point of all of this is we could get ourselves a little freaked out, and maybe I've done that to you, and I'm sorry, I'm about to reel this back in, but Jesus said that this would be the beginning of the birth pains. He said that he said that these things that we're feeling that are kind of contracting us and making us a little tense and a little, uh, are the beginnings of the birth pains. And if you've been around a baby, if you've been on the business end of a baby being born, there is pain that is involved with that. There is contractions. There is an alertness, like, ooh, what what just happened? There's the, she's got to stop and grab onto something for a minute kind of pain. And birth is by far one of the most fascinating things. And I I know when I've, because I've been uh, through four of these, that God would use this metaphor because of the fact that you don't know ultimately when he or she is coming. You know that it's coming because there are going to be these signs that are going to be happening and they're getting closer and it's going to happen. But some of you that have had babies recently that you thought, okay, now, I, I got, it's, it's got to be now for the love of all that is holy. It's got to be now. And it wasn't. It was a couple more days. It was a couple, but you know, because eventually these signs, these contractions are saying that it's coming. I believe that he used this as an image for us because... At the end of the day, birth, (laughs) he said in Romans 8.22 that all of creation has been groaning, as in childbirth. That birth is bloody, that it's intense, that it's unpredictable, that it is scary, that you have pretty much no control over it. It's that little guy or little girl. I mean, how many babies have having to be born on the side of the road in a taxi cab to know that you really don't have any control. Little guy or little girl's coming when it's time and not a moment sooner. But I believe that he said it because of it was bloody, because it was brutal, because it was intense and painful, and all at the same time, it's beautiful. Because when this is done, I, I, I swear to you that when I saw Maddie being born, okay, and I did, I thought, there's no way she'll ever do this again. (laughs) Why would anybody choose to do that? I mean, guys, the only equivalent I know, kids cover yours, is it's about the same as a guy shoving a ham through his nose. Like it just seems completely undoable. Why would you do that again for any reason? But you girls will sign up for it again. That was awesome. Like, are you kidding me? Did you see that? But they sign up for it again and again. And look, we had epidurals going on. They actually gave me an epidural, I think. They, but I would have. I mean, right there, I'd have signed up for it. But And I know some of you girls, you're kicking it Civil War style lately. I mean, I know you're at home in your bathtub. And I, God, only, God bless you. I respect and honor that. But you signed up for it again and again and again. Because this experience, as tense as it is, as... Scary as it might be, results in something so beautiful. I'd like you to meet Slater Gilbert, born a few months ago. He's back here napping right now. Mama's here. Hi, Shannon. Because it's beautiful. And I believe that is why Jesus would say to you and I in Luke chapter 21, if you'd go there with me, don't be alarmed. It's actually going to be okay. And again, if you're a mom and you've had a baby, and keeping in mind, I've not had one personally. I've only uh, been the cheerleader um, guy. Go team. Um, that it's, it's going to work out. It might be a little uncomfortable. It might be a little tense. But it's going to work out. And Jesus would say to you and I, knowing that these signs are on us. And look, I get it that we've been saying this. I mean, look, I'm around long enough. I remember the guy that wrote the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. Anybody remember that? He sold 4.5 million copies of this and then had to write. He did a mathematical error, so I swear I'm not making this up. 89 Reasons Why. He's going to be an 89. He missed a number or something. And of course, here we are. And you've driven around. You've seen the billboards that Jesus is coming back on May 21st, 2011. And guys are giving up their lives and driving around in billboard trucks. And he said that it's going to happen when I say it's going to happen. I couldn't predict the day that Maddie was going to be here. She's just going to be here with all of our kids, with your kids. It's going to happen. We don't have to hurry it up. We don't have to do anything to make it all the castor oil in the world the baby's going to come when the baby's going to come and jesus said to us then in the meantime us that are in the kingdom of god that is like octomom pregnant okay that's how our world is there where it's and i'm telling you this because i really believe in our lifetime we're going to see this because we're kind of running out of options we've got nuclear armed nations like never before we're in a place where one guy could pull a trigger and literally wipe out humanity And I'm not scared even a little bit because I know that my God said that that can't happen, not on His watch. I'm not terrified. I don't know how people possibly do this who don't know Jesus. Because these guys that are in charge of some of these nations, they're just crazy. And Jesus would say to you and to I, if you're looking at the news, if you're looking at CNN or Fox or whatever it is of your flavor, NPR, he would say in Luke 21, verse 34, after he just said all of these things, signs in the stars, signs in the heavens to his disciples, he says, be careful, verse 34, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. He says, be careful, because the tendency of us will be that. I'll weigh myself down with dissipation. And interestingly enough, that word dissipation in the Greek means giddiness. Doesn't sound like it should mean that, does it? But that's what he's saying. And what I see that is, I'm reminded of that Don Henley song in the 80s, All She Wants to Do is Dance. The, the, the world is going to hell in a handbasket around, and all she wants to do is Dance. And we live in a country that Jesus said it would be like this, like in the days of Noah. They were partying, they were carrying on, they were ignoring the signs around them, having a good time. Our tendency is to turn the TV off and not to pray, but to just go get our minds off of it. Just just to go have fun somewhere, just to you know burn one down just to go to the golf course whatever not that these things are sinful do not hear me say that but to forget about it to not think about it to not consider it i'm just going to go have fun and forget about it jesus said be careful that you don't do that and he also said to be careful that you don't go to drunkenness that you are just i'm just i'm so depressed that i'm just going to give myself over to alcohol i'm going to medicate myself just to forget about these things Sorry, I'm watching the young guy that probably just learned about this, the uh, time change right there. Everybody welcome, Jeff Kirby. <laughs> we should have a prize for that. <laughs> I've known Jeff for a long time, so I can say that. He said to be careful of that and the anxieties of life. And if there's one thing that I know that all of us could get into, is we could get weighed down with the anxiety of this. Look, I've got four kids. When 9-11 happened, it was five days after Lauren was born and i remember driving home thinking what did i bring this child into what kind of world did i bring her into it was it caused me anxiety it caused me stress jesus said i ought not to let myself go there because it's going to be okay And then he says, For it'll come on you, for those that are living like this, if you're living in anxiety, if you're living in, I'm just going to go party it away and just forget about it, I'm going to get hammered and forget about it, if you're living like that, just to forget about what's happening, he says, It's going to come upon you uh, like a trap. Paul would later say in 1 Thessalonians, we've talked about it's like a thief in the night, you know, and we're going to, and they made a great movie, made great songs in the 70s. But Paul would say, in Thessalonians, when he wrote to them that if you're a children of the light, it doesn't have to be like that for you. You don't have to be surprised. We don't get to, you know, paint a billboard and declare a day, but we're sure going to know the signs. I didn't know when any of my kids were going to be born by the day, but man, I sure knew it was close because she'd have to stop and grab something or those contractions. You could feel the stomach tightening. I knew it was close. I don't have, it is not like a thief in the night for us. He says in verse 36, we know what not to do. Here's now what we do. In verse 36, be always on the watch. That word watch, wake up. It's literally the Greek word he's denoting. You Wake up. Be awake. You're sleepy. You're on a long drive. Get out of the car. Do some jumping jacks. Slam a monster. Whatever it is, wake up. The one thing that I love about where the people that I'm surrounded with is I, and I feel like this personally, I feel like I was sleepwalking through my Christianity for the first 20 years of it. I was comfortable, but everybody's comfortable when you're asleep. I felt at peace with what I was doing. Of course I did. I was asleep. And then one day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing that I did, nothing that I earned, he woke me up. And I thought, dear God, what have I been doing my whole life? We were going to church, we were sitting on the front row, we were tithing, we were raising our hands at the right point in the song when it said to raise your hands, you know, we, all those things we did, again, not that it was inherently sinful, we just didn't, know. we just weren't awake. When we know that time is short on any given day, we ought to be awake. Jesus would say to Peter, could you not pray with me just an hour? I mean, look, it's the last night I'm going to be with you guys on earth, you couldn't even give me an hour? And I don't believe he said it in a guilt trip kind of way, but in a admonishment kind of way of, look, you got a, there's a lot bigger stuff coming down your pipeline. You got to, and he would say this here, pray. He says the last part of that verse, pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Pray that you may be able to escape. Judged worthies. is what the King James says, I got great news for you this morning. I mean, fantastic news. And that is that Jesus, when he took my punishment on the cross, when I believed in my heart, when I confessed with my mouth and became a follower of Christ, that the wages of sin is death, he cashed my check. He paid a debt, and we, in our country right now, 13 whatever, $14 trillion in debt. A, 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 a sum that is so beyond our comprehension, we could, we'll never be able to pay it financially. That's the equivalent of the sin debt that I, I couldn't possibly have paid it. I didn't even carry the right currency, and Jesus said, it's paid. So pray that you'll be worthy. You're worthy. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're worthy. And if not, this is the best news. You can today. You can pray That Jesus would become the Lord of your life, that he would come into your heart, that he would fill you up. The Holy Spirit would indwell you, that you just have to believe and speak with your mouth. Jesus, your Lord, I give myself to you. I'm repenting, which simply means by the way, repenting, I'm changing my mind. I thought this was right, but now I know that you're right. I'm changing my mind about this. You can do that today, and you will be found worthy to escape this. That word escape means flight, to fly away. Go home and look it up, blueletterbible.org. That's what it means. Some would say that that means, I would be one of those, that when Jesus returns that he's going to take away his church, his bride. I say this because in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said that you and I, we are not appointed under wrath. And this great tribulation period that is coming is the time of his wrath upon the earth. Others would say that we'll be here And that we'll be okay during this time. It's like some sort of cosmic epidural. That all this is going to be going on, but you won't feel it because he's got you in his hand. Others would say that they call them pan-tribulation guys. There's just going to pan itself out, so we don't have to really get that one way or the other. I truly believe that he's going to come and he's going to take us out. One way or the other, though, I know this. That if we are worthy to escape it because we are Jesus in our hearts, that he is living inside of us, we are followers of Christ. Whether it's an epidural or whether it's the first flight out of Dodge, either way it's going to be awesome because he has got it under control. And I would ask you this morning as, as we worship that you would ask yourself the question of am I worthy to take this flight to, be, to escape this? And the answer is, of course, if you have not had a moment where you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've confessed with your mouth, you believed in your heart. If you've not had that moment, you're not. But you can be. Because the truth is, is, I'm not worthy based upon anything I've done. I'm only worthy because I'm wearing, as Isaiah the prophet would say, his clothes of righteousness. I got a whole new wardrobe. Paul would say in Romans that to to take off these things, these sins that so easily beset you, in in the exact same word if I'm taking off these clothes and I'm replacing them with Jesus' clothes. You can do that today, right where you're sitting. You don't have to come down here. I don't have to spin you around in a circle. You you just right where you are, you can pray. You can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Whatever it is that God is putting on your heart to say, he's the one drawing you. If you're feeling it, it's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Pray the words that he gives you to pray. He can change your heart today. You'll become a new creation and you'll be worthy to escape what's coming. And for the rest of us that live, that are already in that moment of being worthy, we must continue to move. We must not get frozen with fear, with anxiety, medicate ourselves out of this, ignore it, knowing that the time is short, that the signs are getting bigger, they're getting close together. We gotta be on the move. We gotta get to Uganda. We gotta get to Togo. We gotta get to Haiti. We gotta get to Thompson Station that we might be found working when our master returns. All the parables leading up to Matthew 24. Right after that he's talking but it's all about a guy with a steward of the money that was left him and was he a good steward of it, of the Holy Spirit that was left inside of us. Let's be found to be good stewards. What I want more than anything is for the Lord to look me in the eye, to look you in the eye and say, well done, that was awesome. Father, we are excited to be living in a time like this. What kind of a world did I bring my child in? I brought him into your world, the one that you're in charge of, the one that you are going to save, the kingdom that you're going to set up. The disciples could have been so lucky as to have lived in this day, and here we are in this moment knowing that whatever's happening in Japan, whatever's happening in Egypt, whatever is happening in Libya, that none of it is off your radar. that you're there, and that you're here. We give ourselves to you today, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. We got to stand this.